Um, my name is Jamie Nunnally, and this is... Kate Nunnally. I, t I brought Kate with me to um, do a service project for someone's yard. Uh, what did you do? Did you do the blower? The, I blowed the leaves. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was a fun experience uh, having her there with me. And I'm Stacy Robertson. I'm also part of Jamie's life group, and um, the service project that we did was helping out a friend um, do some yard work, cleaning up, planting some flowers. And, um, it was really cute, cute having the kids there to help us as well. Uh, the individual we went, whose house we went to, um, uh, we see her every now and then, but um, I, I think it makes a difference, um, especially when I went to visit and they just seem appreciative. And I think when you have like so many other priorities going on in your life at the moment in time and people step in and just kind of help you get some of those things out of the way, you don't realize how, you know, how it can impact somebody not to have to worry about that. It's been a lot. I, I got to uh, to be proud of my daughter there. She was doing a lot, of, a lot of big work, more work than I thought she would do. But it was, it was fun. It was good to do something to serve somebody. Um, I joke and I say, you know, I never knew yard work could be so much fun, but it was. We had a great time. And it was really nice to see the difference. And once we got there and then when we were leaving, the difference that it made not only to the property, but, you know, I think in our hearts, we were all just really glad we could do that and help out. That's a great story, isn't it? Even when we've got the wiggly worms, we can still be out there being the church on our street and in our community. You know, folks, I think one of the reminders of getting to see a story every week is that every week we need to be making stories, right? Every week we need to be that church out there on our street. Boy, what a great morning. You know, one of the advantages I have of, of going to all three services is sometimes by the third service, I get it. You know, I get it. Man, what a phenomenal morning we've had of, of worship, a, a great time. Thank you for being here today. Make it, I mean, it's a good day for worship if you're a duck, right? I, I appreciate you getting here and being here. I'm appreciative every Sunday that, that your devotion to the Lord brings you here. But today is a little more challenging. It was hard getting out of bed a little bit. But, uh, man, you're here. And you realize when you're here, your presence encourages others that they also made that trip. So thank you this morning for being here. If you were here last week, you heard me start the service by reciting, saying, the vision of the Heights Baptist. And I, I do that periodically. I've been doing that for two years now. Uh, I've said it enough. We're all starting to forget how many times I've said it. You're starting to know it yourself. And yet, I'm going to repeat it again right now. Yeah, the vision of the Heights Baptist Church is that in the next 10 years, we will be a church that the 804 cannot imagine being without. By expanding to five campuses, by extending the reach of Love 804, so that... We have our greatest opportunity to share the word of God still out there in front of us. Now, I've, I've said that enough times and heard conversations, fielded some questions, and I, I don't know for a fact, but I assume, I assume there's, there's two phrases in that statement. One that really excites us and one that kind of confuses us. I, I think the one that excites us is that idea about a, a church the 804 can't imagine being without. Am I right? We kind of rally around. That's kind of an exciting idea. Man, what do I do as, a, as an individual? What do we do as a church so that we are that 
We are that church uh, that that this community can't imagine being without. So that's kind of exciting, a real rallying phrase. But then maybe the phrase that that confuses us a little bit, I'm not even sure what the right word is, maybe just makes us shrug our shoulders, is that phrase, by expanding to five campuses. I, I mean, I can imagine as the average person sitting there in the pew and the pastor says we're going to expand to five campuses, you go, great, super. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean to me. Not sure I'm supposed to care. What is a campus? Does it work? Don't we have one? Is it working? Hey, I I know those kinds of questions and maybe that confusion uh, with with a campus might be out there. I'm trusting it's not out there at our Midlothian campus. I I trust they know the answer to all those questions. But I I do want you to know, because if we're going to hit that vision, then that means every one of us involved in it, which means every one of us understands it. And I think I have a pretty simple idea about how we can understand what campuses is about. Go see it. Go see it. Take one Sunday, one hour, and go to our Midlothian campus and see what that's about. And let me tell you what you're going to see. You're going to see what you have come to enjoy and experience and expect here You're going to see what is a part of your devotion to the Lord. You're following the Lord. You're going to see it in a whole nother community by very real people out there. And they're you. As a matter of fact, I can tell you right now, when you walk through the front door, what your first thought's going to be. Hey, this is the Heights. This, this, is, this is my church. This isn't another church in another area or another place. This is me. This is us. This is our church. And man, I hope you, I hope you talk to somebody while you're out there. Ask them what it, what it means to them that they have this. And I think what I believe, what I'm banking on, is that you'll actually come back from that experience. And you'll say, why haven't we already done this? Why, why aren't we already in our third campus? When are we doing the others? I, I believe that strongly in what you'll experience out there that you'll want to see that part of the vision come to life. It really is exciting to find out people that have never been in this building, people that you've never met, and you go out there with them for one hour and you'll say, hey, this is my church. This is what we, this is what we are doing in a whole nother community. Now, I think to do, ultimately, I'd like like 500 of you to go, not this next Sunday. If 500 of us grow, we'll actually crush the Midlothian campus. They'll, we'll, they'll suffocate. They'll never come out from under. Uh, we, I, I hope 500 in time, we'll, we'll take that on a little bit later. But here's what I do want to challenge. 100. 100 of you over the next four Sundays. 25 a Sunday. That's not very many. And I, I think I know November 10th is already gone. All 25 tickets have been snatched up. I want to encourage you to go to our information desk right there and say, hey, I'd like to see that. I'd like to go to it and tell them what Sunday in the next four is good for you other than November 10th, and, and they'll give you a ticket. Now, obviously, you don't need a ticket to go to church at the Heights. <laughs> you, you can go any Sunday you want with or without a ticket. That's just us kind of managing what kind of crowd to expect might be going out there. This is not, a, by the way, an attendance gimmick. We're, we're not trying to make room here. We're not trying to get more people out there. As a matter of fact, our Midlothian campus is running about 20% up every Sunday over the same Sundays last year. So this isn't trying to, oh, we need to get people out there. I just genuinely believe if you see it, 
when you see what we are as a church, you're, you're going to want to see that expand. So I hope you'll go out there and try that. Go out there and, and get whatever tickets might be left for that. You know, folks, I get overwhelmed sometimes, excited with, with the impact that, that our church is having. And a lot of times, maybe you see it more than I do. A lot of times I don't see it. And, and a part of the reason is, I, I, maybe it's part of my job. I'm usually focused on what's not working. What's not working? What are we doing wrong? What are we not doing at all? What do we need to, to fix? And, and I forget just how expansive this ministry is and the people that are being affected by it and, and touched by it. And I had one of those moments this week. Uh, Mike Connor came and he, he gave me, some, he's one of our pastors here, gave me some statistics on our church app. You know, the, the church app that you, you downloaded on your phone. I'm trusting that more than one of you have, have done that. As a matter of fact, how many people would you think have downloaded or how many times has the church app been downloaded? I mean, if, if you'd asked me that this past Tuesday, I'd have said, I don't know, I hope maybe 3,000, 3,000, 4,000 maybe. And, and Mike told me, this was as of Tuesday, we're 28 downloads shy of 10,000 times. That's exactly what I, what, who, why, what are they doing with it? <laughs> How did 10,000, this happen 10,000? Now, have you ever downloaded an app and never used it? I have. I've got at least, I went and counted them, I got at least five apps I've downloaded and never opened. So you might wonder, well, okay, people download it, but do they, are they actually using it? I'm glad you asked. Would you believe these are average numbers, not one time, this is average over the last year. 1,431 times a month, media is opened and watched in the app. But more than likely, that's going to be a, a sermon. The, in the, on average, in a month, the app is opened right at 4,700 times every single month. Now, you, might, you ever open an app and thought, I didn't mean to open that app, and then it wants you to set everything up? I've done that. <laughs> Sometimes you open up, didn't intend to. Maybe that's why. Remember, it's an average. 4,700 times a month, somebody's opening the app. And when they open the app, they go on average to 5.5 pages. In other words, they didn't just open at it and go, oh, they went five pages. That's an average. That's not one time this happened. That's an average. I mean, folks, it's, it's amazing how many people are engaging with who we are and with what we're doing here in our attempt to serve the Lord, to love the Lord, and, and to do His work. You know, you, I, maybe I look at, you know, you look in the bulletin and you say, oh, we had, you know, 2,000 people here or something. Think of that as our, our impact. We have almost 5,000 people regularly attending the Heights. Now, the word regular is a little bit of a tricky word, but that are regular coming here. And then with the church app, even way out and beyond that. That excites me, doesn't it, you? And, and it, but here's what it also does. It makes me pray, oh, Lord, may we be faithful with that. You, you notice I said we. You're as much a part of the heights as I am. You need to be. We need to be faithful with all the opportunity God has given us. That's, that's pretty exciting. And we will, won't we? All right, nine of us. Okay. Um, I guess at some point I should kind of segue into our message here today. So we're now adding up decades, decades and decades and decades of being a culture, of being a world that has been educated to believe that we came from nothing and we're going to nothing. There's no God. There's no afterlife. This, this is it. That's what, that's what science tells us. And boy, that's a big word. 
I mean, science in our culture today, there's very little more authoritative. The word God is not more authoritative than the words. I mean, God's neat and God's good. And that's that's where we get some good feelings. But I mean, science. Now, that's that's hard data. That's hard facts. That's truth. Well, yes, it's truth. If you choose, it is a choice. If you choose to look at evidence a certain way, if you choose to not look at certain, at certain evidence, and they do make that choice, if you choose to accept some things as true that you actually would never accept as true at any other time in the laboratory of science, like, like nothing creating something. You can't do that in a laboratory. There's no way to make nothing create something, and yet we have an entire origin of our existence that is based on this. Nothing creating something. And, and, and so this is the world we live in now. And you know, hey, there's a good part to that. There's no God. I can do what I want, say what I want, go where I want. I don't answer to anybody. Now, All of those statements run into some problems. Even if there's no God, those statements run into problems sooner or later. But that's for another sermon and and another time. I I, I think in what the, the world has given us, what science has given us, has created some unintended consequences. For instance, if I came from nothing and I return to nothing, then how in the world are we to believe there's any meaning, there's any purpose in between nothingness and randomness. How, how are we to believe that the, the, the question why can ever be answered for anything? Now, I've heard some atheists, I, as I say heard, I've read. I've read some atheists respond to that very simply by saying, get over it. Quit, quit living under this fairy tale that there has to be a purpose to everything. There has to be a meaning. There has to be some grand scheme and you know, I first read that and I thought, well, oh, okay, that, that's a pretty valid response. <laughs> Except, here again, it ignores, listen to this, you may think it's subjective, but it's actual hard evidence. Ignore this idea there has to be meaning and purpose is ignoring the absolute historical, universal evidence of every human soul that does ask why. Why am I here? Why is this happening? And not only ask, we want answers. We want to believe there's some kind of design and purpose. We want to believe there is a meaning. We want that for little tiny things that are going to happen this week. And we want it for big giant things that are going on in the world around us. Science will not tell us why the human soul... If I Listen, if I was produced by nothing and I'm going to nothing, there is never a reason to ask why. So why does every human soul do it? The, the, the science won't answer that. Scripture will. The scripture will answer, answers it in a lot of ways. I love one way. A little phrase tucked down deep in the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says this. God has put eternity into our hearts. May not always believe it. May not understand it. But it's in there. And so there's moments. There's places where we have these still quiet times. Where we realize there's more than this. 
this, this isn't it. This isn't all there is. There is something bigger going on. There is a purpose. There is meaning going on in this world. Science is not going to help me discover that. God wants you to know it. And in moving further and further away from this, I think science has given us some unintended consequences. You know what a, an unintended consequence is, right? That, that's when we set out to fix a problem, solve a problem, clean up a mess. And maybe we do it. We fix the problem. We clean up the mess. But in the process, what do we do? We make another mess. I didn't mean to make another mess. I did fix that mess. But now there's, a, there's, another, there's another mess. They, they've given us and giving us a, a, a truth, a science of origins where I come from nothing and I return to nothing. Man, where, where's purpose and meaning in that? In that mindset, am I more likely to value life, respect life? Give equality, give dignity. Am I more likely to do that or am I more likely to abuse? Hey, listen, there was a time when most of the world believed there was a God and there was abuse then too. There was a time when most of the world believed there was a God and there was depression then too. But we have absolutely arrived at a new place in human history where depression is greater, purposelessness is greater, disrespect is greater. I I think we're feeling that in America right now. The disrespect, the anger is greater than ever before. And I think that's an unintended consequence. Hey, listen, when you have a creatorless world, there really at the end of the day is no reason to live like anything other. Well, then what science has said we are animals. Now, they'll say, well, evolution, because evolution is about survival. Evolution has taught us that survive. I mean, we all know inherently now that to survive, we've got to yield to a common good. Well, if we've evolved to that, then why do we break that common good every day? Why, Why do every day we break the common good? You don't do the common good for your own home sometimes, much less an entire society. No, they, 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 they have no answer for that. Folks, you're not an animal. You, you were not born to be a random, on-accident animal. You were born on purpose. God has a purpose for you. And there's so many passages that will communicate this. I love one. I've always loved this. I don't think it's the first one that we go to. But as we come today to Acts chapter 13, which is where our curriculum as we move through the whole Bible in 2019 brings us. It brings us to one of my favorite passages, Acts 13 verse 36. It says, for David, when he had served the purpose of God, listen to this, in his own generation, fell asleep. Now, that's a single line. If if you open up your Bible and you look at Acts chapter 13, you'll actually find a very long chapter with a lot being communicated. And I'm very clearly lifting one sentence right out of context to go somewhere with it today that that all of Acts 13 is not actually about. So let, let me kind of place a context around this verse. We we This verse was written. It, it's, uh, it's written by Paul. He is quoting uh, the Old Testament. And, and Paul, who we were introduced in Acts 7 and 8, was Saul. He changed names. But Saul, we were introduced, was a tremendous aggressor against the church. It was by his hand, uh, under his authority, that the first Christian was executed. That hundreds and hundreds of Christians were being imprisoned. 
and feeling really excited about himself and what he was doing, he decided to take the show on the road. And he's now taking the persecution he has brought against the church in Jerusalem, and he's taking it out in the world. He's actually in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. When Jesus shows up, the, the resurrected, already ascended into heaven, Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus and basically says to Paul, Hey, stop it. That's not my purpose for you. Go ahead and read Acts chapter 9. That's not a quote of what Jesus said, but it's, it's pretty close. That's pretty close because as we close out Acts chapter 9, what Paul's going to learn is God's purpose. Jesus' purpose for him on this planet. And it is to carry the gospel to the Jew, to the Gentile, and to kings. He says, you will witness the gospel before kings. So as we come to Acts chapter 13, we see Paul fulfilling, we see Paul living in God's purpose for him. He is carrying the gospel and he is in Antioch. He's in the synagogue there. So on this particular day, he's kind of focused on that call to the Jews And he's in the synagogue, and he's saying to them, hey, you guys, you should have been looking for the resurrection. Because guess what? 2,000 years ago, while they did not know everything that we know now, they weren't unscientific back then. They didn't run after the idea that people rise again all the time. That was a challenge for them to believe also. They also had to look at the evidence. But it's in that that Paul is saying to them, hey, Jews, you of all people, I get it why Gentiles struggle with this, but you of all people should have been looking for the resurrection. Isn't that what the scriptures prophesy? Remember when, and this is like Acts 13, verse 34, verse 35. I quoted a moment ago, verse 36, but he's kind of building this logical argument. And he says, you remember when David said, Lord, your holy one will not undergo corruption. Your holy one will not see decay. He's going to die But he's not going to rot. He's going to rise again. You should have been looking for that. And then Paul says, hey, who's David talking about? He wasn't talking about himself. David died. He underwent corruption and decay like the rest of us. He's saying the Lord, he's saying he was talking about to the Lord, the Messiah, the Holy One of God. You should have been anticipating and expecting the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, that's just kind of a context and not really where I'm going today. I want to come back to this idea of purpose because when Paul said David died, he didn't just say David died. What did he say? For David, when he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. Folks, you are on purpose. And, and that purpose is actually specific to when you were born, to where you were born. It is specific to all of the details going on in your life. You're not random. You're not an accident. You are on purpose, and there is a purpose for you. And this is not an idea that I just randomly, no pun intended, plucked out of Scripture, a random thought not really developed. No, this is a thought. This is a purpose that God's Word teaches over and over and over. Let's look at just a few. Look up here, Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his, for who? For me. Not just his purpose for the world. He's got a purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Only let each person lead the life 
that the Lord has assigned. That's kind of a purpose-oriented word, isn't it? That there's an assignment for you. There's an assignment, there's a place in your life that you are. Your relationships, your jobs, your your status, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. As the Lord has assigned that to you and God has called you. Again, very purpose-oriented language. Another one, I think a favorite for many. And we know that for those who love God, all things. Boy, what great hope in those two words. All things. Things, the things I hate, the things I don't understand, the things that hurt, all things work together for good. Now, that passage did not just tell us that all things work out for good. Don't misread that. It did not say that everything works out good. Not everything does work out good. We already know that, right? Some, some, some things do not work out and they, they turn out quite bad. But all things, whether they turn out good or bad, are going to serve God's purpose are going to serve the good that he's doing in your life for those who are called according to his his purpose. Folks, you are on purpose. God has a purpose for you. It is specific to when you are alive, where you are alive. It is specific to every detail in your life. You are not random. You are not on accident. And an intended consequence of that. Notice I said intended. Mankind can never give you intended. (laughs) Mankind, in our best day, in our best effort of fixing problems, gives us unintended consequences. All of God's consequences are intended. And in an intended consequence of the scripture communicating this, God communicating this to you and me, is that we live life on purpose. We, we go in today, we know we are on purpose. We know the events of a day are on purpose. And we start looking for how we take each event, each relationship, our own lives, and yield that, submit that, bring that up under the purpose of God for our lives. And folks, think how loved you are, how focused on by God you are, how special you are. Boy, that's a good self-image booster, isn't it? I mean, yay for us. Now, after we get over feeling all warm and fuzzy, there's also another way to understand it. You could take one sentence, God has a purpose for me. And you can understand that in two very different ways. Both are accurate, valid. You should take it both ways. One is God has a purpose for me. For me, God, I'm so special. I'm so loved. God knows my name. He has a purpose for me. That's fair to take it that way, isn't it? A good hearty yes there would be very helpful. Yes, okay. God has a purpose for me. But here's another way, same sentence. God, the almighty, the most holy, the great I am, the judge of all, has a purpose for me. Same exact sentence, but really a different. In the first one, I'm kind of the center of all that, right? That's okay. But in the second way, I say it, God's the center of all that. And we really do need to process that. There is a God. He puts you on this earth on purpose. There is a reason for you being here. And folks, we do well. You do well. I do well to get in line 
with that purpose. Why? Proverbs 19.21 states it very simply. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. I've got so many plans and purposes up here. Things I want to be. Things I want to do. Things I think are important. Things I want for my life. There's so many plans in the mind of a man. But one day, only one thing is going to be standing. And that's the purpose of God. One day, that's all that will be left is the purpose of God. If you want to be standing there, you need to bring your life in line with the purpose of God. Now, it's almost, especially at this time of day, it's almost moving into a whole other message to talk about how we understand what the purposes of God are, how I bring my life into line with all that. I'm not going to start another message right now, but I do want to give you a quick glimpse At God's purpose. Because while God may have a specific purpose for my life in this generation, that purpose is all about His big purpose. I'm fitting into what God is doing in this world. And the scripture absolutely gives us great insight into what God's purposes are, to what he is doing. Let me, let me show you three things, three purposes of what God is doing in that meeting, what God is doing in that relationship, what God is doing on your worst day, what God is doing on your best day. God's purpose is about exalting Jesus. God's purpose is about sharing the gospel And God's purpose is about his kingdom in this world. I really, really, really want to encourage you to go look up Colossians 1.18, Matthew 28, and Matthew 6. You know, I mean, any verse in the Bible can be kind of big, kind of overwhelming. It's to shape my life. But every now and then you read a verse that you kind of go, whoa, that verse is not for a particular moment. (laughs) That verse isn't for a particular person. That verse defines everything. That verse defines every person every day on planet earth. I think you'll find in all three of those very purpose-oriented for all people at all time statements. Go grab a hold of those because that's what we adjust our life to. And so I might take any one of those by themselves and just start thinking through pieces of my life and how I bring it into line with God's purpose. I mean, folks, it's difficult questions like how, how, how would the abuse I've been through, how would that exalt Christ? How can it exalt Christ? Lord, what are you wanting me to do in that to exalt Christ? Or maybe I've, you know, hey, I've just got this new promotion. How can that share the gospel? Or is there any chance this could close doors for the gospel? Or I'm going through a very long extended layoff. Where's the gospel? How do I, God, how would I use this for advancing the gospel? Or, or my marriage, God, is, it, is your kingdom rule Is it advancing in my marriage? Does my marriage advance your kingdom rule in our home and throughout our society? See, I can take each purpose and just start asking questions about my life. Or I could take all three purposes and ask them about areas of my life. Like, how are my friendships exalting Christ, sharing the gospel, advancing his kingdom? How are my finances exalting Christ, sharing the gospel, advancing his kingdom? Now, just think about those two things. My friendships, my relationships, and finances. How much of your life is spent on friends and and, and finances? Oh, about 98%. I mean, that's, that's where we spend life. Now, if I can look at those areas and I really can't see 
I don't know where Christ is being exalted in my relationships or in my finances. I, I don't. I think maybe once the gospel, we kind of we were praying for this person. I, the king, the, how the kingdom of God is ruling in advance. I, I'm not, folks. If I'm looking at the major areas of my life and I really don't know how they're filling into the purposes of God, then that means the major areas of my life and everything under the major areas of my life is not going to stand. The Scripture already told me that. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that's going to stand forever. So I've got to think through those questions. I've got, to, I've got to answer them. Well, there's nowhere. Well, I think a little bit. Okay, well, then what do I need to tweak? What do I need to adjust? How do I make it so that more and more in my relationships, Christ is being exalted? In my finances, Christ is being exalted. The gospel is being advanced. The kingdom of God is growing. And I answer, you know why you want to ask those questions and answer them and then tweak and adjust? Because you are going to die. You're going to die. And you will, in an incredible moment of eternity, realize you were put here for a reason. Of which most of humanity never lives a single day in light of. You know, it it, it amazes me how shocked we are by death. You know, with my job, I'm around death probably more than the average person. I'm around people going through death more than the average person. And I never cease to be amazed at how often I will hear comments like, why did this happen? How could this happen to me? How could this happen to our family? And folks, I don't mean this to sound like I don't care or I'm I'm not compassionate or I don't respect and understand grieving because I do. But it is really amazing how we think that there's something about my life that should be untouched by death. Where and when was it ever communicated to you that you and your home will not be touched by death? The only thing you can count on is that you and your home will be touched by death. And in that moment, in that moment, would the word of God be able to say of me? Would it it be able to say of you? For Randy, when he had served the purposes of the Lord in his generation, fell asleep. I believe with all my heart there will be one of the most powerful seconds you ever live in eternity when that is the only thing that will matter to you. It will not matter how much money you made. It will not matter how much fun you had. It will not matter who your friends were. It will not matter what you're angry about. I actually believe there will be a moment because right now, I th- boy, when I get to heaven, I've got some questions. Boy, when I get to heaven, I want to know why that happened. Where were you, God? How could? I believe in that moment you will care less about an explanation. In that moment, you will have no questions for God. There will be nothing bigger in that moment when you realize I was born and put on this earth for a reason. And now I stand before my creator to answer for it. Gosh, that sounds so ominous and scary the way I just said it. Folks, it's not ominous and scary. It's the most beautiful thing in life. Listen, God, imagine if you were sitting here. Boy, God's purpose has left me out. There's no purpose for me. Nobody's left out. 
Nothing about your life leaves you out. God has a purpose for you. Everything in your life can be purposeful. Let, let me show you how practical this works to, to anything and everything going on with you right now. What's the biggest thing on your heart right now? Maybe it's big, maybe it's not so big. Some of us in here probably have something very big going on right now. We have a big decision to make before 2019 is up. Boy, we are counting on, we are hoping in this really big thing to happen. It's going to be a game changer. It's going to be a life maker. I can't wait till this comes about. Maybe the other side, we're very scared of something that is coming, something that is about to happen, and we don't see how we even survive it. Maybe it's a relationship you're, you're dealing with. Whatever, what, what's on the front burner in your life right now? Maybe it's huge. Maybe it's just kind of average. Most of us don't live from one big moment to the next. We just kind of live from moment to moment. So what's, what's the big thing right now in your heart and life? Maybe the word big not, is, is not descriptive. Take that one thing. What did you pray about a moment ago right before, right before we went to the Lord's Supper? Take that one thing and start asking questions about it by those purposes. God, you know I'm really anxious about this. Let me see how you might be exalted in that. Hey, God, you know I'm really angry about this. I'd like that person removed from earth. Does that help me share the gospel? Does that close doors to the gospel? Hey, Lord, as I make this big decision, am I doing that in a way in front of my family and friends that they see the kingdom of God, the rule of God advancing in my life? Or, or do they see the rule of God at all as I try to work through this problem, make this big decision? Just take the thing on your life right now and work through those three purposes and what they might mean. Now, I, you know what? I respect that you could look at that and say, well... Okay, I'll do that. But what if I'm not actually sure what the answer is? <laughs> hey, God, how are you exalted in this? And, and nothingness happens. I, I, don't, I don't know how I would answer those questions. That's okay. Make those three purposes the way you start praying about the big things in your life. Lord, you know what I think about that. You know what I mean in that. I need your help. I need your hope. I need your provision. I need your protection. I need healing. I need guidance. But God, whatever I need, I pray that in it you will be exalted. God, whatever I'm trying to get figured out, may I be focused on how I step into this as a way of advancing the gospel, opening doors for the gospel, or closing. Just start thinking through the things you're praying by the purposes of God. And watch... Watch what happens. That is an absolute guarantee. Watch what happens when you take the things on your heart and you start bringing them under the purposes of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that I'm not an accident. Thank you that, that life and life's events are not random. I'm not here just to survive one random evil event after another. I'm not here to just grasp onto a random goodness that goes by and hope I don't lose it. Oh God, in everything, in everything, you can use it for the good of bringing out your purpose for my life here on earth. God, may we be a people who live on purpose. So much so that people ask. People ask about our hope. People ask about our purpose. Oh, what an opportunity to exalt Christ. Share the gospel. 
see your kingdom advanced. Through me, God, through me, through me in my generation, where I live in the time I live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.